Hello. Well, hello there. Well, hello there. Have you seen that? Joke? Welcome to Something Real, the home of professional podcasting. It's as good as it's going to get. <laughs> That's what the t-shirt needs to be, that on the front, and then as it's good as it's going to get on the back. Beautiful. As good as it gets a movie with Helen Hunt and Nicholson. Nicholson. Yep. Indeed. Only saw parts of it. Because I, I can only listen to Jack Nicholson talk for so long. I fell in love with Helen Hunt when she was the girl quarterback on the, um, some, it was a TV thing that she made. <laughs> that's yeah. a, it that's was such a boy thing to say. It was something. She was the girl quarterback. The name was something like that. I can't remember what the title of the movie was, but it was something very similar to that, the girl quarterback or something like that. Uh, it's been a lot of years. I was, I mean, I'm gonna she, look up Helen Hunt's IMDb. she was a kid. I was a kid. You know. We were all kids. We were all kids. Uh, <laughs> not you, you weren't thought of yet, but. Um, but God knew you. Aww. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> as we are... Uh, Helen Hunt did not know me. She did not. Uh, she's only 58. I thought she was older than yeah, that. She's just a little older than me. She's still a kid. But uh, then one of my favorite uh, shows in the 90s was Mad About You. Uh, yeah, that, Paul Reiser. Which I tend to call Paul and Jamie if I'm talking about it mm-hmm. in a casual conversation. I, I, so, I watched that show. <clears throat> it I probably shouldn't me, have, but... <laughs> as as a youngster, as a young, as a young. Well, child. one of the one of the better things about it was, you know, even though everything on television was liberal, they were married, you know. So as they, right. they dealt with a lot of sexual topics, but they right. did it in the context of marriage. So that was made it better than a lot of the other ones, better than right. Friends and some of the others. And Paul Reiser was hiliariously neurotic, and so and she's been on a ton of things. <gasps> Twister, Helen, Twister. I forgot about Twister. Yeah. Oh, I love and Twister. Helen Hunt was. Annoyingly neurotic. I did not enjoy her character about tw- probably forty percent of the time, but she was really cute, and they were funny together. And so, that's that. You know, it occurs to me that we did not do a sound check before we got going here, and based on our last uh, video experience, we probably should have done that. I want to apologize to any of you who uh, watch on YouTube or Facebook due to technical issues. Um, Facebook. Did not occur, and Facebook did not occur. and uh, YouTube was a disaster in the audio. So uh, I don't know if it's deleted yet, but it will be at some point. Uh, but the audio version on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, that audio version audio was version is clear clean. and sharp. So uh, she played Mary in a cartoon version of the Nativity Story. Interesting. In 1987, I can't find the football thing you're talking about. It was a TV movie, and I cannot think of the. If you know title. what it is, leave a comment. There you go. Because I'm not going to look it up again. Because she's been in too many things. She's been in a lot of stuff. You go, Helen. A lot Hunt. of stuff. Not that old, but uh, long resume. So, anywho, that has very little. Zero point zero zero. Actually, it has a little bit to do with you it. You talk about mad what, about you and how they were married. Well, yes, because we are talking about Christian submission and marriage, and one of the things that um, that was an issue, I think, in in all of those '90s marriage sitcoms, really in almost all of them, it, from the '70s to now, is the concept of roles within marriage mm-hmm. not even existent. You know, and so well, for the you most always part. have like the dopey till husband. You, till you go back to black and white stuff, you know, right. you look at you know, <clears throat> and some of those were so. Um, stereotypical for the time that they were kind of a caricature of it uh, and you know you look at you know like Leave it to Beaver which I loved right it was a great show I was watching reruns because I'm not quite that old but anyhow it's as, on a read night as that's, for, that's for Heidi and Maisie as we're <laughs> um, watching that 
that was not a picture of a lot of households. It yeah. was, actually, it was a picture of a lot of households at the time, but it wasn't really a picture of what we see in the mutual submission and uh, and the husband and wife roles in Ephesians chapter 5. Right. Um, because there was a just an air of superiority that you would see there that you know the woman was somehow a little less and looking back not that the that, roles were the the roles that were played as far as the housewife and the man who goes out to work not that those are bad um, but there was a, sort of a a a typical american but mm-hmm. not necessarily biblical attitude about it and and now we've gone so far the other way well that's what i was just going to say i think people look at shows like Leave It to Beaver now and yeah. think it's almost comical how things were because yeah. it's so different from from what we're doing today right. uh, or, or you know and people think I, I just said it's Donna Reed night it, that's from a Gilmore Girls episode and it's kind of speaking to that mm-hmm. there's an episode early on in, in the show where Rory who's the young daughter uh, she's dating this guy and he has grown up in a family where his mother cooks and cleans and takes care of the household and his father goes off to work. Hmm. And so he's asking Rory, his girlfriend, why can't she be more like that? Like, cause she's this, you know, bookworm, independent, <laughs> that, whatever. That's a Not a great thing to say to girls. Goes yeah. over well Here's some advice, so. guys. Don't. Um, <laughs> so he's asking her, you know, why, what's wrong with that lifestyle? Why can't, you know, cause she's so against it. And he goes, well, what's wrong with it? What's wrong with a woman wanting to make her husband dinner? Blah, blah, blah. So she puts on Donna Reed night and she dresses up in the, you know, the, the Donna Reed style dress and makes him, I don't know, a pot roast or whatever and, and makes him his dessert and whatever and waits on him and everything. And he was realizes... This, was this supposed to convince him that it wasn't a good idea? Because that sounds great to me. Well, it kind of, it was just, she was kind of teasing I, I, I him like about it. But I don't know. I don't know what the moral of the story was. But <laughs> <laughs> basically he said, you know, you don't have to They needed to an do, episode. You don't so. have to do this. You know, I'm just, I was just saying. And she goes, no, it's actually not so bad. So that was her, they both kind of came to different conclusions. She's like, I don't really mind doing this. Right. But he was like, you don't have to do it all the time. You and I were talking earlier in the pre-show something to rant about uh follow our non-existent patreon you know you get on there but pay us to uh, complain anyway uh <laughs> but we were talking about just the fact that so much of what we do and how we view things comes from what we're taught in yes. the culture and so you know for gilmore girls which was what early 2000s early 2000s yeah um i think it started in 2000 where our society was and the expectation of of the roles in marriage and of women in particular, but of the roles in marriage, um, dramatically different. Sure, I think we could say from the fifties and early sixties. Yeah, it's fairly safe to say. Uh, and so, if you watch Leave It to Beaver, that was perceived by most, or even even Dick Van Dyke, which was more of the um, sophisticate uh, New York scene. You know, mm-hmm. more uh, more liberated type people, but. So many um, stereotypes of the time mm. that were considered pretty normal. I mean, Laura was, you know, seen by many to be a pretty liberated woman in Dick Van Dyke. And uh, it's interesting how these generational, even in pop culture, I guess I, I, what I hadn't lived through a lot of those things, but I wonder. I, I'm not saying you've lived through the Leave It to Beaver era, but how? No, how, but I, I you know, coming from the aftermath they? of that, how you know? in step were they with at what was actually going on at the time in in sure. the real world? It was pretty pretty much as art 
often is. It both imitates and directs life. Right, but there's so also a formula the, for there, like the sitcom, there the classic is, sitcom. Yeah. But it only you can only use it when it works. Then you have right. to change the formula. Like for some reason, so I'm you thinking couldn't of, do Leave It to Beaver today. Right, that's a different. Formula. Like for some reason, I'm thinking of the Cosby Show. Right. And Claire Huxtable, she was a lawyer. And she it was... Broke this, the mold on right, so many things. Right. And so that kind of just stuck, sticks out in my mind. And then I think of the 90s husband and wife sitcoms and the first thing that's popping into my head is King of Queens. Right. And, and uh, you know, she worked an office job too and he was a UPS driver. Look at how things flipped right, that's from what I'm Leave saying. It to Beaver to King of Queens. Right. So She was the ultimate not, the breadwinner. Not so much in in um, the Cosby show. Kinda, it was kind of even up and, keel. You kind of felt like down, they were equals. You know, but with like King of Queens... You, you've come to a place where every every husband, every dad, basically every man that wasn't somebody's fantasy, but every regular man in every sitcom, they were the buffoon. That, right. that, that was the whole job. The whole right. reason for Kevin James to be there and is to be an And they were usually married to like a smart, pretty woman. Right. <laughs> and, and so you've totally flipped. Right. So the picture then was that the women were superior to the men. Right. And that's acceptable to say. Right. It's not acceptable to say that men are superior to women. Not even in weightlifting, apparently. But the the reality oh. is the... <laughs> you saw that... You saw that... that I uh, sent it to you. Indi- oh, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what you said. Uh, the individual did not qualify, so kind of a sidebar. But anyway, as, as we're looking at how things flip, that has not much to do with objective reality or objective truth. But what is the what is the cultural vibe at the time? Right. You know, and so and today I don't even know what that really is. <clears throat> well, now it's it, certainly it's not what offensive. it was in the uh, It's offensive in many circles for a woman to be a stay-at-home mom, to, for you yes. to be a homemaker as your chosen career mm. that is looked upon in many, I would say most circles, as really, you know, even though you're, you're harming our gender by doing that. Even though there have been multiple studies and research done to say that stay-at-home moms and homemakers are really working like, a hundred hours a week and should be paid this much salary based if they were working like you know quote unquote an actual job uh the work that they do is you know almost incomparable to to anything else so So now you quit knocking on stay-at-home moms you have me uh jumping off script here a little bit because we have a script right oh yeah anyway uh but since we're talking about marriage roles and submission in marriage and the 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 difference in the picture very often we even in the church we take our cues from the culture mm. or from the traditions that have been passed on to us right. more than from the scriptures and so we in Ephesians 5 and we'll we'll talk about that uh, in just a, a few minutes you see some very specific roles for men and women but you can't avoid the fact that men and women are equal in value because that's really been the point for all believers throughout this letter. And if you look at Paul's other letters, like uh, Galatians 3, for example, in the last part of that chapter, he's very clear and specific when he says there's no difference between male and female in Christ. Do people just skip over that? <laughs> people skip over a lot. You know, it's uh, it's astonishing that uh, 80% or more of uh, those who profess to be uh, Christians in America, of evangelical Christians, uh, have not read through the Bible. So it's astonishing to me to, to think of how many people that, that really is. So anyway, I, I was actually surprised that the number who had was 
or claimed to was. was that high. But anyway, going back to um, to the Old Testament in Proverbs, Proverbs 31 specifically, and I think a lot of church-going folks, if you're in evangelical world, you're familiar with Proverbs 31 as the uh, the chapter that talks about a virtuous wife or noble wife. But I think most of us get it completely turned around. And I know, you know, my wife was in some studies when we were younger. Um, I don't know if it was an Elizabeth Elliot study, but, but anyway, the, the women leading it were basically that, you know, they were they were giving the picture that a woman needs to sit with her hands folded and, and you know, listen quietly to her husband at all times and, and never do anything and never be assertive and never, you know, work outside the home. How'd that work for Shelly? <laughs> she wasn't thrilled, no. Uh, and... And so she was, she had an aversion to this particular chapter whenever mm. people would bring it up. Because when you bring it up, I, I will say, I don't know that I understood it as well then. I will tell you now, you bring it up wrong. If this, if you think this is that a, a woman should never speak and just be, you know, you know, the June Cleaver kind of situation, although June had her moments of standing up at times too, but... You know, if if, if I like you Gunnery think better and it's a wonderful life. If you think you're supposed, or Edith from All in the Family, you know, which was deliberately uh, kind of over the top. Not, not, I don't know if I'd say well, Archie satire, Bunker was over the top too. But but yeah, they were they were deliberately trying to show the, how the traditional couple that has to go by the wayside because you're you're missing everything. And so, you know, Edith. I mean, he called her dingbat all the time, right. and he mistreated her. There is nothing in that marriage, although they did have a profound affection for one another. Right. But there's nothing in that marriage that looks like the biblical picture of a man and woman, even though they were church-going people to whatever extent. I think that was a time period thing, right? And and, and that was part of what Norman Lear was bringing out, uh, not because he knows Christ, but because. The hypocrisy was evident. Anyway, so that that idea that a woman should just be understand you are second place. Mm-hmm. You you and you need to recognize that you are second place and just accept that role. That's not what the Bible teaches. So listen to what it says. This is uh, Psalm Proverbs. I mean, thirty one, uh, starting with verse ten. And of course, today I didn't bring my glasses. But uh, as as we're going through this, listen to the things that this woman is doing. It's not the picture a lot of people received in their women's Bible study. A wife of noble character who can find. She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. So just, we've only gotten two verses in. We haven't really gotten into any details. And you're seeing that the husband doesn't look down on her as someone that he has to kind of carry. He has full confidence in her. And because of her, he lacks nothing in value. Well, I'm saying she is worth more than rubies. That automatically the, puts you up This value is, right. is, is huge. So, and if you go back to the Genesis account, it wasn't good for the man to be alone. Mm-hmm. So God created the woman so that they could be together. And her value as a helpmeet, which is you know, a term that a lot of uh, evangelicals will like to use, again, I think weirdly sometimes, as if you're a second-class person. And that's not the picture at all. You are the one that makes his life. You complete me. Well, in a sense, <laughs> even though I, I, I have real issues with that term in, in marriage, but there's a sense in which God's plan, the, the reality of God's plan, intends for men and women 
to complete that plan together, that, right. that we are to be walking through this life in that, in that way. So um, her husband has full confidence in her, lacks nothing of value. Uh, she's worth far more than rubies. Verse 12, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life, which, I, you know, think of how regularly it's just like the national pastime to, to, you know, we, Alfalfa had the He-Man Women Haters Club. You know, we've kind of gone the other way where it's just bash men all the time. You know, men are stupid, men are jerks, men are stinky. You know, women are everything and glorious. Not, not always wrong, but... <laughs> not always. Uh, there, in fact, I think I just said some of that myself on Sunday. But anyway, uh, verse 13, she selects, uh, she selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. So th this is a picture of her working mm -hmm. in the home, but already developing this idea that there's a certain commerce to this. She's eager to work. Mm -hmm. She's not a lazy housewife. Paul actually condemns that in the New Testament, um, that they need to get to work. Tell these, these young women they need to get to work and stop sitting around being busybodies and gossips. Okay. Um, because that was... A problem for them at that point. Seems very 1950s to me. Well, it it was very first century oh. apparently. So, um, <laughs> Everything is cyclical. So now you have men doing that. Let's right. just sit around and, and be busybodies and gossips. Um, she's like the merchant ships bringing her her food from afar. So he's comparing her to this these we might think of commercial ocean liners now, but something similar in in, mm -hmm. in a uh, BC version of that. Um, she gets up while it is still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She has servant girls. We don't want to miss out on the fact that she's actually running an operation here. Right. This is not, you know, let me just sit around and eat bonbons and watch soap operas, which, you know, that was the picture when I was growing up, even in the 70s. That was what what people were rebelling against was this idea, and half of them were rebelling against it, and the other half were like, hey, don't mess up my system here. I got a good rhythm going. Um, she gets a well still dark. She provides food for her family and portions for her servant girls. She considers a field and buys it. Hmm. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. This is not the picture you might have had. Right. From Proverbs 31. She's doing things She's a businesswoman. in the home first, but also outside the home. The overflow of her work as a homemaker is also entrepreneurial. There's, there's business going on. Um, so she is, she is independent in that sense. She's doing these things with her diligence and with her wisdom. Uh, it, she is out considering she's actually evaluating, she's not just doing this on behalf of her husband. She's right, going out, looking at the property, deciding this is good, this is bad. Buying it I'm, with her earnings. I'm gonna buy it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard, right? So she buys land, she takes her earnings. Surveys land, and buys it. Invests that right. into planting a vineyard, she's, which you could, I can tell you right now, she's got her servant girls, She's directing traffic here. She is not going to be the one, the only one out there doing the planting. Right. She's going to be planting, but she's running an operation here, and that seems very evident from it. Verse 17, uh, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. 
So it's not, you know, this frail little, little woman. woman. It, there's no pretense here that she is that has the same physical strength as her husband. Right. Uh, and, and the Bible's pretty clear about recognizing that the physical... I'm going to deliberately use the word dominance. The physical dominance of the male is to be subjected to the good of the female for her protection and service. And the the strengths that the woman has are not the same as the physical strengths of the man, but she brings other things to the table that are also to be subjected to the good of the husband and the good of the of the family, of the group. So there's a mutual submission. There's, there's a, I think I've said this before on the podcast, and you've never seen it, My Big Fat Greek Wedding. No, I haven't. Don't yell at me for not seeing the page. I, I will watch it. Because that's literally it. on TV every weekend, or it used to be, my big yeah. fat Greek wedding. Yes, but um, I don't get that stuff well, I don't anymore. anymore. So. But there's the the mom. We've the, cut the cord. The matriarch of the Greek family. She says. But I do use Windex a lot. If that put some Windex on it. The matriarch of the family says that the the man is the head of the household, but the woman is the neck, and she can turn his head. That, that's not right. that's not in any way. I don't think. Uh, illegitimate. I mean, right. there there is reality to that, and you know, there's if you if you watch history, which I do, men have fought many wars mm-hmm. and sat on many thrones, but through an awful lot of it, it was women behind those thrones directing or sitting next to them in the queen's throne, women directing it. Helen of Troy, wars fought o- over that that face that launched a thousand ships. You know, you, you see uh, throughout um, medieval history, you look at, at what happens in the history of England, mm. the prominence of women, whether they were actually ruling or ruling by, uh, in a de facto way by controlling what was being done uh, or influencing well, what was at, being done. even look at, you know, Queen Mary of, of Scotland and that right. whole situation. Right. Like, whoa. So, anyway, th- yeah. so the idea that, that history has just been this completely lopsided patriarchy not quite the way it's been portrayed to us. Has there been right. a patriarchy? For sure. Has it always been some toxic thing? Definitely not. Uh, have there been times when it has been horrifically toxic? Absolutely. And one of the things that changed history was the influence of Christianity mm-hmm. in the Roman Empire that gave value, gave worth didn't give value, recognized the intrinsic value of women and children, of human beings, as being created in God's image. That was part of of the Jewish scriptures. They had kind of lost that to to a certain extent. Not not universally. I don't. I I could be wrong about that. My understanding is it wasn't universal because very little is actually universal except except sin. Um, but. Christianity then brought out a whole other level of that uh, through the teachings of Christ, through what we see in these New Testament letters. There's an elevation of women beyond what what was recognized in the first century or those surrounding times. Now, over time, because, again, sin is the one universal thing that we all deal with, over time, we saw that get distorted again. So while slavery was something that that Christians um, didn't fight against politically the same way, but recognized the intrinsic value of slaves as people, as humans, and did fight to to free slaves from the beginning. 
that later on became distorted and people would use scriptures to justify slavery, to justify, you know, domineering husbands uh, mistreating their wives. None of that is actually reflective of scripture or the will of God. Well, it's it's kind of bringing it back to, to the Ephesians thing, and I, if, I'll let you finish the uh, passage in Proverbs there, but it's I think the big distortion with the passage we covered in Ephesians today even is women see it as submit to your husbands well why does the bible want me to be the weaker party in this and men see it as you have to submit to me i'm the man and that seems i don't want to say antiquated but antiquated but it wasn't even the bible i mean you can't get more antiquated than the bible and it's telling you to do certain things so where did that stem from that idea that the man unless it's just a complete misinterpretation where did that idea stem from that the man is, you know, some all-powerful, I need to bow down to you, blah, 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 and the woman is the, I need to do whatever my husband says? Darwin. Because clearly this isn't saying that. Seriously, Darwin. Now, Darwin wasn't the first to say it, he, but the same principles. Well, bef- I don't like it. Before Darwin, you know, had his theory uh, of the origin of the species, the, the natural law of survival of the fittest, the dominance of the strong, that predominated always throughout all of human history. And so because the reality was, and it's, email, don't email Stacy. email okay. me if you're mad about it. The reality is, as a general rule, physically, men are significantly stronger than women. They are, you know, they're designed for that. So and so, through that way of thinking, we're just part of the food chain. Basically, yeah. Well, and, and so are men. They're just right. higher in the food chain. Right, 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 right. And so as you're dealing with those things, from a purely secularist, naturalist perspective, you can't embrace the, the idea of natural selection and not recognize the male of the species for humans and for most, but not all species, as the dominant, physically dominant species. That's well, if your worldview says that if I can do something, I have a right to do it, or even that I should, if I am stronger, therefore might makes right, I can do what I want, it's not really hard to put two and two together and right. recognize that men were going to dominate. Sinful men dominating a sinful race and, and holding their dominance over sinful women. That's, That's funny to me because reality. so many people look at the Bible and think that. Exactly. And it's the opposite of the Bible. Right. Well, it's, a, it's you know, as, again, we were talking previously uh, off camera uh, that, you know, there are so many things that we, um, that we see as normal these days because that's what the devil wants to do. So he wants to convince you that you are this. What mm-hmm. you know, this struggle that you're having, this this uh, sinful thing that you've done, it defines you. That's who you are. And the Bible says something completely different. Mm-hmm. But the devil wants to when you're when you're still a sinner not in Christ, the devil wants you to believe that you're good enough and strong enough and right. you know everything is is great. No worries. Don't think about anything. You're not a sinner. You've got truth within you. You have a God within you. Uh, and, and the devil loves for us to think those things. But then when you come to Christ, he wants to keep you paralyzed by saying, boy, you know how you blew it yesterday? 
that's all you're good for. You're pretty much just worthless. You know, you, you should just give up. Just stop trying. You can't really be saved. If you were really saved, you wouldn't have these thoughts. You wouldn't give in to these temptations. You wouldn't make these dumb choices. Uh, all of these different things. that He the, sees an opening, even when you're right, in Christ, yeah. and he knows he can't have you. Especially when you're in right. Christ. He's already got you before that. Right. So he doesn't really need to work that hard. Right. I, I own you. I don't have to worry about that. And I think I've I want to go get more. Right. I think I've asked you before why why would he bother? And your answer was like because he's the devil. <laughs> and he, I mean, he knows the devil knows what's right. going to happen here. But pride he's, and hatefulness. He's going to get his kicks while he can. And, That's a good uh, way of putting it. And yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think he since he hates Christ followers so much, he's going to do whatever he can to torment you. Yeah, and that, and that's the thing. He can't take you out of God's hand. Right. He can't he can't steal your salvation. But, but he if he can get you to live miserable. like that, right. you're, you, he can't own you. Right. He has no power over you because he has no authority over you. And the all-powerful God has the authority and says, you are mine. And if you are mine, can the devil take you out of his hand? Of course not. Nothing can take you out of his hand. But if he can get you to live like it, mm. you know, if, you can, if he can get you to, to or even think, like, think like the right. slave you were right. instead of the emancipated freed person who is a fully adopted, wholly accepted, dearly loved child of God. If he can get you to think like who you were instead of who you are so that you sit on the couch and grouse about it, that's the next best thing. Right. If you're paralyzed by your shame and your guilt and your fear and, and oh, I, you know, I might as well stop trying to resist sin because I keep blowing it, so I'm just going to give in. I'm not really good for anything else. I, you know, I feel like garbage, therefore I must be garbage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what the devil wants to do. Right. And so he loves, as we talk about so often, he loves to swing that pendulum. So to, to get us, on the one hand, believing that men are better than women and you know women need to just sit back and take it. And then we swing it the other way and women are better than men. And men need to just sit down and shut up and get out of our way and stop holding us back. When the reality is you're both sinners saved by the same grace. Or not saved, but but you know if you come to Christ, it doesn't matter if you're male or female. You have the same value because you have the same Lord. But the Lord assigns different jobs right. to each person. Those are dangerous pendulums, I think. Because, Hugely, yeah. And and they manifest, I think, in different ways. For men, I think they might try to throw their power around a little bit or their dominance, right? And that can lead to abusive relationships or you know whatever or i or men being i make all the money so i'm going to control everything you do right. or whatever and women being uh bitter and, and i'm not going to put and, myself in that situation so i got to make some money to protect myself right, from them which right. is a that is a an absolute death blow to marriage if, if you are not trusting one another completely with all of your finances if it's not all together then you are, your life isn't built together so why does that go wrong because people are sinful and we don't understand marriage we don't understand god we don't understand ourselves or how these things work together if we do it his way it works great if we do it our way it is a disaster and that's one of the reasons i'm assuming is why marriage seems so disposable these days yeah. people getting married three four five however many times because they think well if it doesn't work out i'll just get a divorce and then right. I, it's just so easy to do to yeah. get married get divorced get married get divorced get married get divorced and even more so nowadays people just not getting married well, right True, live together, true, true. buying houses together. Because I don't want to commit <laughs> to right. marriage because, you know, that that's too hard. But we'll, I'll put my entire financial future in your life and we'll be legally tied. Having children together, right. not married. 
Because that's, as you know, that's that doesn't go away, right? right? You, even when you're divorced, you're still forever tied to one another by this new life that came from you. And that can't go away. It doesn't just suddenly disappear. But when we when we go outside of God's plan for marriage, sexuality, and family, and we start to act married, doing things like cohabiting, being involved sexually outside of marriage, which is, that is like so passe in our society that nobody, even in the church, can, can even like, yeah, nobody's going to do that. You know, or that's just not realistic. That is the standard that God has set. And anything outside of the covenant of marriage is an affront to God. It is offensive to him. It is destructive to the individual, the family, and the society. And when we downplay that as something to joke about, then we, or, or we lament 90s purity culture because, you know, how dare you say that you should remain pure until you're married? You know, that's, you're saying that the rest of us are, are somehow less because we're involved. You know, and the image has come up a couple of times of a youth pastor or conference speaker who said, well, you know, you're kind of like, now you're like a used car. You've got miles on you and so on. And that is an offensive thing to say. Mm-hmm. At the same time, it's not altogether untrue. And it doesn't diminish your value as a human being. But you did take something precious and use it as a toy. You did not do it God's way. That's for any of us. That And the recognition of the fact that most of the people hearing this, most everybody in our churches did not remain pure until marriage. We, we don't live in a pure society. So even for those who remained virgins until they were married, they were inundated with impurity and did lots of other things that, were in, that was in their mind. And they gave away an emotional intimacy that was designed for marriage. So there's, there's a, a lot more weight to this than we want to put on it. And we live in a hypersexualized society, which acts like sexual pleasure, the physical aspect of it, is the only thing that matters. It defines right. all of us, who, uh, who you're doing it with and, 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 and how often you're doing it and all these what different things, what you're doing, all, all these different things. This defines you and nothing matters more. You know, in America, we're throwing away or trying to throw away constitutionally defined rights to create a new idea of these uh, sexually uh, defined rights that are being assigned outside of, uh, of science, logic, constitution, certainly outside of the Bible, and that's all that matters. The only thing that matters is sex. Turn on the television. I can't turn on, I can't think right now of anything not on a kid's channel that I could actually watch with my daughter in the room without having a deleterious effect. One calls the heart. One calls the heart. You're right. I'll, although the commercials well, on Hallmark yeah, yeah, Channel yeah, yeah. are going, but if you record direction. it, you can fast forward through that. So that I mean, the, these are the these are the difficulties. Right. But even Gilmore Girls, you right. know, there's so much in there, and that, not even kids shows. That's so what fairly, I sent you the other day. You know, that's a fairly What's the word? Sedate. It's it's a low key kind of show. Right. It's not like it's I mean, over it was the top on the CW racy in the or anything like you know, that. Not... Oh, I don't know if that's your best standard, but you know. But I mean, there's... it's on public television. Right. It's not like you on know, it's, HBO. It's not R-rated right. kind of stuff. But the but the norms, the mores that are are in there are worldly views of human life and sexuality. Right. And, and so, as you said, are, are, are 
Art imitates reality. Right, That's exactly. What's going on. And and it's it, it keeps that ball rolling. Right. So while it's imitating life, it's also directing life. Right. We're, we're, you know, people do more of this because they see more of it on television. This is why the LGBTQ advocates want to see a greater, a higher representation on television, uh, a higher representation in the Olympics. I, I was listening to that this morning. I want to say it's 168 out of 11,000 people that were identifying in some way as LGBTQ currently in the Olympic athletes. Oh. And I'm like, oh, we need more representation. Or maybe representation of the nation that whose team you're on is the point. Somebody, and not your individual group. Somebody had made the suggestion the day after this, uh, Laurel Hubbard was the yeah. man from Norway, I think. New Zealand. New Zealand that competed in weightlifting as a woman, transgender woman. Uh, and she, he, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not meaning to be offensive, I just don't know what to say. Um, they failed all three of their lifts. I will not capitulate to the language. They all they failed all three of their lifts. Like I watched the video. They she he dropped two. If you've watched powerlifting or weightlifting at all, if you know anything about it, you have to get an opening lift to be able to go in there. And so right. if if you go in and you overestimate yourself and you get something that's too heavy, you know I, I used to coach lifters when we go into the competition. I'm by no means uh, some Olympic experienced level. coach. But, you know, we, we put together a, a small little power team. We were over at uh, Edwardsburg High School at lifting, and, and my guys were not going to compete with these big studs that were out there. I said, the number one thing you got to do is you get a, a, a weight that you know you can get, right. that you've got a lot the, of times. Right, right. Get your clean weight, get it up, so you've got something on the board. Because right. you don't know if the guy right. that's stronger than you is going to do exactly right. what Laurel well, Hubbard did well, she was. and DQ. They dropped, I think, two of them and didn't get and got DQ'd for the other one or didn't yeah. count or something. And so somebody said, and it, and it really looked like they didn't even try. Right. That I mean, but missed the technique or something. Right. Yeah. And so somebody suggested I saw online that the only reason that that person got in was so the Olympic Committee could say, look how inclusive we are. Yeah. We had tra- we had, we were the first, you know, big games thing to have a transgender person. Blah blah blah. That is a and goal. And that of the could Olympic very Committee. well be because. Frankly, that spot could have gone to a woman from New Zealand or well, another country. The woman who got bumped from right. that spot from New Zealand right. was not particularly happy about it. I'm was sure. Told when Laurel Hubbard began competing as a woman, uh, was told you either need to drop to a lower class weight class or retire. You know, and the reality was she could not lift as much as Laurel Hubbard could lift. Big surprise. Who had been out of weightlifting for ten years? Fifteen. Used, I read. used to compete as a man. Yeah. It's over a decade. And, and is 43 years old and getting better by comparison. Well, yeah, because you're not competing against comparable right. genetic mm-hmm. advantage. Mm-hmm. So now as you're coming into this, you're, you're coming against you know, women right. in their prime right. and they don't have the physical advantages right. that you have. Anyway, we didn't. Really, I didn't mean to get on that track, and we got to wrap this up. But um, I, yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on that as far as roles went for men and women. Yeah. So the 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 whole thing to because we are, you know, at the end of our time here, um, you know, we kind of built out the concept a little bit from two previous sermons, and from Ephesians five specifically. Uh, if anybody wants to see more of Proverbs thirty one, you you get the yeah, point. Sorry, you can go and we kind of check that out that. yourselves. But uh, it's not. You know, some mousy doormat of a woman that's being portrayed here. Um, but it was a woman who recognized how, how to appropriately submit 
to her husband's authority. I'm going to take a second look at that. In love. For sure. Not in any way diminishing her own personhood. And not and nowadays there's a there's like a battle against femininity. Right. So that people you know, want to be that, feminists, right. but you're so not. So the being answer feminist. because men were jerks through a lot right. of history, the answer is let's be just as big a jerks as them. Yeah, cool. Because men were philanderers. The answer isn't get men you know, get men straight. No, instead let's us be philanderers right. too. Let's you know, let's wear anything you foul can do, words. I can do better. Exactly. So you take what has been found. Let's put reproductive organs on our head. And and you wear those as a badge of honor and you put out podcasts bragging about being a, a particular derogatory term as if that's something to champion. It it's bad. It's bad for men, it's bad for women, it's bad for children, it's bad for society. And we need to stop. We need to understand that God's design is the right design, always has been, always will be. But we also need to not put human understanding on God's design. We need to not read into the text, but we need to draw from the text. What is it that God's actually saying? What is he expecting? And everything that we read here in Ephesians 5 about the, the submissive role of the wife and the sacrificial love role of the husband is not to make one dominant. In fact, it's exactly the opposite. And they're an explanation or a fleshing out of uh, chapter 5, verse 21 that says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And everything else that we see is a picture of that. He talks to wives and husbands. Uh, next week, he'll talk to children and parents. And then after that, he talks to slaves and masters. And so as we're working through these ideas, uh, two things that we needed to look at as kind of a foundation for it. Um, one was that God designed marriage, sexuality, and family to illustrate his relationship to his people. The, that is a theme throughout the scriptures. He uses that illustration, that word picture. Um, one of, two of my favorites are Isaiah 54, where God says, I will be a husband to you, speaking to Israel. Uh, and in the book of Hosea, where he calls the prophet Hosea to marry an unfaithful woman who then is publicly unfaithful, essentially ends up in, in a, a trafficked-type situation, and Hosea goes and redeems her and brings her back. You are mine, and you're going to come home and live with me. And, and he buys her out of her slavery. And he does that. And God, God did some tough stuff with these. Uh, I mean, think about it. Talk about uh, living out your assigned role. God assigned right. this right. this prophet, his mouthpiece to the people, right. to marry an adulterous woman right. Right. who is going to run around on him. That ain't good. Right. You know that's not a comfortable road. Right. So whatever you think is unfair that God's calling you to, it's probably not as unfair right. as what He called Hosea to, knowing before he got married Isaiah. that that was uh, Isaiah, right? Hosea. Hosea? Yeah, Hosea. Oh. <laughs> um, Isaiah was the other one. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it's the, you know, he went into it knowing that's what's going to happen. Right. Because that's what happens between God and his people. Right. And so he's using that illustration. So then uh, the second element that we needed to see going into is that the right relationship of authority and submission is essential to the Christian life. We talked about that last week. That was kind of the point. It's built into everything. Right. So God uses authority and submission in the natural realm to be and for sure in the relational realm to demonstrate the spiritual reality of his relationship to his people so that we understand him better mm -hmm. there's so much more that we can talk about we could take weeks to go yeah. over it but I the have to go get my child yeah we got <laughs> eventually we're gonna have to you know 
get to the end of the stuff. But the the idea that we see here in Christian submission in marriage is that it reveals Christ's relationship to his church. In marriage in general, it, it it's showing this picture of God and his people. But when we're talking about um, the Christ follower, you're specifically assigned roles in this cosmic play, if you will, to, to portray the church. The woman is to portray the church. So the way she handles her submission to her husband in that role and submission out of reverence for Christ, that, that's a, a conscious decision. That is teaching true discipleship to her children, even to her husband, and to everybody around. When the husband is loving his wife as Christ loved the church and laying himself down for her, he is portraying uh, the character of Christ so that everybody who sees him should see an accurate picture of Christ. If we don't get this right, this is everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is huge for discipleship and evangelism. And it requires the heart of Christ, as we talked about in Philippians 2, to even though regardless of his equality with God within the Godhead, his equality with the Father, he didn't cling to, he didn't grasp his Godness, mm -hmm. but he laid it down, he emptied himself of that, as the hymn says, emptied himself of all but love. And he took on the form of a servant, died in our place, on a cross, humiliated, mistreated by the very people that he was dying for. That's a pretty huge deal. That's a picture of how we are supposed to submit to our roles in marriage and in the family. Uh, we are going to stop there, but as always, if anybody has any questions or comments about what we talked about today or the passage from Ephesians, um, we'll be happy to discuss it at a later date, um, bring it into a, another podcast. I think everything kind of overlaps anyway. Uh, so yeah, if you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. You can leave us a comment or message on Facebook or YouTube, or leave us a voicemail at 269-756-RLCC. Or if you use the Anchor app to get your podcast, you can leave one there. And I think that's, aside from bringing the carrier pigeon back, that's all we got. Good. It's as good as it's going to get. It's good as it's going to get. Thanks, okay. everyone.